Welcome to Briefly Legal, your podcast briefing on legal news, developments, and legislation on the go. Brought to you by the attorneys of Crow and Dunleavy. The following should not be understood as or considered a substitute for legal advice. Visit CrowDunleavy.com for more information. Welcome, everybody. We are back here on Briefly Legal, the podcast brought to you by the law firm of Crow and Dunleavy, and today, the Labor and Employment section. I'm your host, Adam Childers, the co-chair of the Labor and Employment section. I'm coming to you from the Crow's Nest, uh, Crow and Dunleavy's headquarters in downtown Oklahoma City, one of our three offices in Oklahoma City, Tulsa, and Dallas. Today's topic is going to be OSHA. Uh, We are going to look at OSHA regulations with an emphasis on what COVID-19 has meant in terms of OSHA regulations in 2020, and just as importantly, what is on the horizon with the new administration and uh, what's coming our way in 2021. Obviously, this is going to focus on some of those of you who have uh, really highly regulated industries. We're talking hospitals, nursing homes, uh, meatpacking uh, establishments. But really, this is for any of you out there who are at employers who have a lot of exposure either to your fellow employees or to the public, uh, which is going to include places like retail establishments, restaurants, really any of your employers out there that have a big impact in terms of potential exposure, you really should be thinking long and hard about these OSHA changes. And in order to talk about um, OSHA and the impact of these, uh, the incoming administration, I'm joined today uh, by my good friend and someone I'm very proud to call my law partner, and that is Alan Hudson. Say hello to everybody, Alan. Hello. Happy to be here. Well, good. Um, I'm always happy to talk with you. We often wind up talking about uh, all things Bedlam with you being uh, one of our resident pokes and me being a Sooner. We've uh, managed to coexist over the years, but um, I'll tell all of our uh, listeners, um, don't be deceived by that uh, that country accent that our Marlowe outlaw Alan Hudson throws your way. He's one of our sharpest uh, and, uh, and and best attorneys, uh, both within labor and employment and, and within the firm uh, overall. Um, for those of you who are part of uh, OKHR, as most of you are, you will recognize Alan as the outgoing now uh, general counsel for OKHR. He'll be replaced by our own Melissa McDuffie. Uh, we're excited about that, and Alan's also an officer uh, for the Oklahoma Bar Foundation, uh, does a lot of good work there, so um, we're happy to have you, Alan, and, um, you know, I, I should probably start things off, uh, kick it off this way by saying, you know, you practice in all areas of employment law, like other members of the group, but you have this um, experience and expertise in OSHA that a lot of us, including myself, frankly, do not. How, how did that come to pass? Yeah, so I've been at the firm for 10 years now, which is crazy to me. But uh, early on in my career, Leonard Court came and grabbed me and said, hey, I've got an informal conference with the OSHA area director. I'd like for you to come and kind of see how this works. And from that, it's kind of turned into 
I handle, you know, a handful up to 10 OSHA cases a year. Uh, for a long time, I handled them with Leonard. Leonard's slowing down a little bit, so I've kind of become the go-to guy. I mean, they're very interesting. They're usually very time-sensitive. I remember one, you know, you get a call on a Friday afternoon and somebody's been electrocuted on a job site and you've got to get out there immediately and start gathering evidence. So, um, I can know. remember the day you got yeah. that call and I can remember thinking, I sure I'm glad that he knows what to do and how quickly to do it and the right people to call and the right responses to make, because you're right. When you're in that situation, you've got to make some tough decisions and you got to do it quickly. That's right. You got to be boots on the ground almost immediately. And the, the employers ex- expect that. And we're certainly here to do that for them. Exactly. Well, um, let's jump into this topic of, um, OSHA and, and obviously in 2020, when it comes to, uh, you know, any regulatory body, things have been, as we are so fond of saying, unprecedented. Um, and I'm sure that OSHA has been no different. So let's talk first. What is, what's OSHA been doing in 2020? What changes have you seen? Right. Well, I, I think OSHA, much like the rest of us in, you know, late March, early April and into May, they're really scrambling to figure out what they needed to be doing to ensure that workers are safe, which is their primary responsibility. And so they were issuing guidance almost daily on specific issues that employers were dealing with and that employees were dealing with. Um, And so I will say recently they've really picked up their enforcement uh, with respect to perceived or real OSHA violations and are, are really kind of bragging to the public about the fact that they have been issuing citations, which is now, you know, gone over the $3 million uh, threshold. So they are very active right now in identifying problem areas, issuing citations and trying to correct, uh, you know, employee exposure to, to harms in the workplace. And I, I mean, it makes sense to me when you think about the fact that in the midst of an, uh, a pandemic that they would see that as an opportunity to address, you know, workplace conditions. Um, you, you mentioned those citations. Is that a, an uptick? Is that a, a larger number than we're used to seeing this time of year? Yeah. It, I don't know that it's an uptick, but I think just for this specific type of violation, because why OSHA was scrambling a little bit is there's not a, a specific reg out there to address COVID-19 in the workplace. I mean, Nobody anticipated this happening in 2020, and so they're relying primarily on the general duty clause, which requires an employer to ensure that it's eliminated all hazards uh, within the workplace that are known or you know, reasonably uh, discovered. And so they're issuing citations under this kind of broad duty that an employer has. So I, I don't think that there's been a, a huge uptick in the overall number um, of citations they've issued or the amount of the citations, but specific to this kind of one issue, that's a pretty big number. I think that number is only going to go up as we move into 2021. Yeah. And that's, that transitions us to what seems to be the, the, the most important topic is with a new administration, um, you know, set to take office in, in January, what is your advice and counsel for employers as we enter into this new year? What should they be doing to prepare for an an increase even beyond what we're seeing right now? Yeah. Well, first, what I would say is I, OSHA took a lot of scrutiny. They they were accused of failing to act quickly. And so even under the Trump administration, 
they've become much more active. But I think they're I think that's going to increase dramatically uh, in the Biden administration. And so, if you have not done a risk assessment of your workplace, uh, you need to do it. Um, you need to identify. Uh, potential hazards, and implement policies and procedures to address those hazards. Uh, Administrative and environmental or engineering controls, you know, wearing masks, social distancing, sneeze guards, rotating schedules, uh, things like that to, again, ensure the safety of of your workforce. Now, some, I'm, I'm sure, listening will say, well, that's great. I got my policies and procedures in place, but is that is that enough, or do you need to be revisiting those? Yeah, that's great. Uh, I think a lot of employers get complacent because they're like, back in March or April, we sit down, we drafted our written uh, program, and so you know we're shielded from liability. And really, uh, you know, just because you have a policy or procedure in place, OSHA is more interested in what are you doing to communicate that to your employees? What are you doing to to revisit to ensure that it's still applicable? And so it's not enough just to say, I've got the policy. They're going to want to see that you've done training. They're going to want to see that you've revisited it and, you know, to ensure that, again, you're you're identifying all of the hazards and protecting your employees. Yeah, it's a great point. I, I noticed just the other day CDC revised its rules about quarantine time, you know, downward adjusting the amount of time that you need to be out. It's just a good example of how fluid everything is right now. And to your point, something you put in place in March at, at kind of ad hoc at the last second is not going to potentially preserve your legal rights in March of 2021 when things have changed and expectations have, have changed with it. Um, so is that something that you know, you're doing in, in your practice, that there, we have the capacity to address? I mean, obviously our listeners will have um, in-house counsel in some situation, out, outside counsel that they use, but what, what is Crow and Dunleavy's capacity as it relates to that? Oh, sure. Um, you know, we have helped uh, numerous clients kind of walk through the issues of identifying the types of hazards that they may have in their workplace. We've kind of walked through implementing written policies and procedures to address those hazards. We've, you know, bounced ideas off of each other with respect to the type of administrative and engineering controls um, that would work in their work environment. Um, that, that's something we've been very active in since March and I think continue, will continue to be active in moving into the new year. So let's, let's segue from that then and let's talk um, about what the, what the problem areas are. We, we know that we've got, kind of have this need for you know, audits and updates as it relates to policies and procedures, but has OSHA given us kind of uh, any roadmap for what where the problem areas are? They have. OSHA is, issued a press release, which I think we'll, we'll cite to um, the, the web address so that the listeners can, can pull that up. But essentially, there's a couple of problem areas that they've, they've identified and they're issuing citations. First is with respect to the Respiratory Protection Program. They found that a lot of employers that are subject to the Respiratory Protection Standard don't have a written policy in place. Or if they do, they've not been doing the medical evaluations, the fit testing, or, or most important, which we've hit on, is actually training the employees what they can and cannot do under that program. So, And, and when you say fit testing, what, what do you mean by that? Just actually making sure that the, the, the personal protective equipment fits the way it should? That's right. Just because you've been given a respirator, it's not a one-size-fits-all, right? You've got to adjust. You've got to show the user 
um, how to properly wear it. Uh, that's all part of kind of the fit testing and training that OSHA expects you to provide to any employee that's required to wear a respirator due to workplace hazards. And I'm looking at this OSHA national news release that you referenced. It's right there at the top of the list, these bullet points. And as Alan mentioned, we'll, we'll put a link to this resource uh, associated with the release of this podcast. I think it's an important one for the the listeners to be aware of. What are some other areas that they're pinpointing in that same list? They're really getting employer, employers on failing to report and record COVID-related um, injuries. And so, you know, I, in recently dealing with a, an OSHA issue, I think it's very clear that if you fail to report uh, an incident within the workplace, it should have been reported. Even if you think it's a close call, they're going to issue a citation. So again, if you have a death-related to COVID-19, um, you've got to report that within eight hours of becoming aware of it. If you've got an inpatient hospitalization, um, you've got to report that within 24 hours. And so, again, failing to do that or thinking, it's a close call, I don't really want OSHA knocking on my door, I think you're, it's probably better safe than sorry in most instances just to go ahead and let OSHA know, know that you've had a death or an inpatient hospitalization, and then on the back end try to prove that it wasn't work-related. Sure. Yeah. To the extent that there's that investigation yields that information. And, and it, we should probably note at this point, it also raises issues of workers' compensation coverage. And in other words, there's a lot at play with a short amount of time to figure it out. All the more reason to be really in tune to these issues, particularly as they become even more at the fore for the OSHA in, in 2021. Any others, Alan, that we should be thinking about? That, that's really kind of, that highlights them all. I will say on recording, you know, reporting is different than recording. Reporting is you've got an obligation to contact OSHA and disclose an in, a workplace injury. Uh, recording is you're, you're, you know, over the year, you're keeping track of all of your OSHA 300 recordable injuries. And so, again, make sure that you're filling that thing out in real time and, you know, not being cute with respect to whether it should be included or not. So if you've got a confirmed case of COVID-19 pursuant to CDC guidelines, uh, you believe it to be work-related after you've done uh, an objective investigation um, and it, it triggers one of the events such as, you know, days away from work, inpatient hospitalization, death, then if you hit those three things, you need to record it on your OSHA 300 um, log. And again, uh, OSHA is finding that employers are not doing that. And a lot of them, I think, are saying, well, we couldn't determine if it was work-related or not. And their, OSHA's next question is, okay, what did you do in reaching that conclusion? And they're like, well, uh, it just, you know, we've got a high transmission rate in Stevens County or, you know, Grady County or Oklahoma County. And so we just assume they got it at the grocery store. Like if that's your response, you're going to get a citation. Be careful. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, that's all excellent food for thought. Uh, and, and obviously as a, a subject, mayor, a subject matter expert, uh, we, we rely on you, Alan, to, to help guide our clients. And, and obviously our listeners, um, you know, can, uh, you know, use their own resources as well as our firm as needed. You know, I, I want to close our, our time together in this podcast as um, I have been um, with others by um, uh, a little a little section I like to call Get to Know Your Crow. All right. So, Alan, um, I have been asking of uh, guests on this program, uh, what is the 
uh, streaming service that you have been uh, watching most during these days of quarantine? And are there any streaming shows that you'd like to recommend uh, to our listeners? So um, this is funny because I, I'm not as cool or hip as the uh, other members of the L&E group here at Crow and Dunleavy. I have an eight, a five, uh, and a two-year-old. And so because of that, I guess streaming service, I watch a lot of Disney+. Plus. Um, and I'm kind of more old school, so <laughs> I kind of always recommend, you know, Lion King, the cartoon, not the, the new live-action film. Uh, big fan of Little Mermaid. Uh, but I do, I do want to plug. We just watched Crudes Two uh, on Amazon, and I think it's like nineteen ninety nine right now. I'm sure they'll drop the price here in a couple of months, but it was worth the twenty dollars for you know forty eight hours of entertaining my kids. So Crudes Two, yeah, that 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 sounds like a labor and employment uh, show about some of the stuff we see in the uh, the workplace that gives us some uh, some defense work to do. But well, I I well remember my days as a, a young father and. Missing out on the uh, the movies of the year in favor of uh, you know the new animated classic, but uh, Alan is a consummate family man, so good for you for uh, digesting all the uh, Disney Plus uh, for the rest of us who are, are watching the other movies that are out there. Well, good to get to know a little bit more about you, Alan. Thank you so much for sharing your uh, knowledge and expertise on um, OSHA, uh, and I, and I want to um, thank. Uh, everyone for tuning in today. And I wanted to uh, make sure to remind all our listeners uh, to be sure and subscribe to receive Crow and Dunleavy's advisories um, and event invitations. Uh, you can get that straight to your inbox uh, by signing up at crowdunleavy.com backslash subscribe. Uh, we do a great job of getting information out to uh, all our uh, all our fans, clients, and uh, uh, business leaders and community um, leaders out there. Also, be sure to uh, uh, find out what we're doing uh, either on our website at crowdunlevy.com, and you can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and uh, LinkedIn. So uh, until next time, on behalf of Crow and Dunlevy, uh, Briefly Legal, and the Labor and Employment section, I want to thank you for tuning in, and we'll be sure to talk to you soon here in the future. Be safe out there, everyone. <laughs>